Hey everybody, welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we are in Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23 reads, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feast and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbled himself will be exalted." But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing, but if anybody swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater the gift of the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but the inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you were sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah the son of Barakiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See your houses left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Today's nugget, uh, really we're going to focus on the entire chapter because it's almost one large unit of thought. 
we see here Jesus is speaking out against the Pharisees, the scribes, and the religious leaders of his time. And while we might think that this is something that just comes out of the blue, we have to understand the context of where we've just been at. When we look back at the last chapter, he's been talking to others in terms of what's going on with the Pharisees and what's going on with the religious leaders. He's been answering their questions. He's been looking through the different ways that they're trying to catch him in traps. And now he just gives the all-out rebuke of the sinfulness of the leadership of his age. And this is something that should not be super surprising to us. If we look at the rest of the scriptures, we can go back to Malachi, how the Old Testament ended, and see how the leaders of that time had taken and twisted what God was asking them to do. And so they were giving these sacrifices that were these flea-ridden, three-legged lambs, and they weren't giving their best, and they were allowing that to take place. And there's really a dialogue that goes back and forth where they say, well, how have we done this? We really haven't done this. And each time, God gives a clear example of what they're doing that is not really focused on what they're thinking that they're doing or what they think they're providing for God's people. And so as we think about that, that was the state at which the Old Testament really closed. And there's been 400 years of the people not really having access to God. And so we're not shocked when we see that that's continued to spiral down into greater and greater depths. We saw Jesus angry with what was taking place in the temple. We saw how it was not just even the money changers, but the people who are selling these pigeons, the other things that are going on there. Demonstrates to us that God's place of worship and the people who are most involved with that were no longer really focused upon what God desired them to be focused on. And so we have these seven woes or these seven things that Jesus brings to light showing how much has changed and how far they have fallen from what they're supposed to be focused on. And so it's a perfect place for Jesus to be speaking these as it's his last opportunity to do so. At the very end, when it talks about here down in Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets, it shows that there's a time element that's taking place here that he realizes that there's not going to be more opportunities for him to do so. The end of that section, the end of this chapter says, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so he's displaying to them, he understands that this is quickly becoming the end of his opportunity to do this. And so it's important that he's speaking this judgment in these woes against the scribes and the Pharisees here, because often before he's been doing it in parables, he's been doing it so it's hidden, but now it's his open rebuke of the way in which these people have done this. And why would this be something important to happen right now? These are going to be the people that are pushing for his crucifixion. These are going to be the people that are pushing for him to be uh, tried for the different things that he has been a part of, and not necessarily even for doing things against God's will, but they're going to twist it. They're going to turn it so it's in their favor, much as they've done with many of these practices. And so as we think about what the judgment is here, it's important for us to understand that this is not just something that we should look at historically, but it's also something that we should be aware of in our own life. One of my favorite books is the book of James. I don't want to take too much from what James is going to give us as we get there in our study. But when we look at the book of James, it's going to bring these types of situations 
to the front of our mind and ask us, are we truly following what God is wanting or are we following what we're wanting? And it's especially important for those people who are religious leaders who are leading other people to be focused on that. And so while James's challenge is going to be for all of us, and we basically step into the boxing ring with James and we go round for round as he exposes our sinfulness and the selfishness and the different things that could get in the way of us living our life for the glory of God and for the benefit of those around us, what we see here is that these leaders were not valuing that anymore. They asked about the greatest commandment in the last chapter, and really they care nothing about it when we look at their actual practices. They're really just focused upon themselves. How can they make things beneficial for them? That's why they've changed the way that they make these vows. They've changed so many facets of what they believe it takes to be a worshiper of God so that it's beneficial for them. And so the scribes, the Pharisees, even the priests, we even see that the place of God's house of worship has changed so dramatically from what he intended it to be. And so we must understand that it's our job and it's our duty to ensure that what we are doing as we seek to follow after God is focused upon what he truly values and what he truly desires us to be. And so let's think about the way in which we desire to express our worship to God, the way in which we desire and we display our devotion to him and ask ourselves if our heart motivation is truly after following the love for God and the love for others, or if it's in the different things that we have made to be religious rituals or religious experiences or events that we are putting our money or putting our weight in, in terms of our worship. And so pray that we would genuinely worship God the way in which he desires to be worshiped, that we would genuinely follow and live our lives for the Lord so that we are genuinely loving him in an authentic way, in a real and visible way that's so real to those around us that it's manifested to all of our neighbors, all of those who we come into contact with. So there are many, many different questions that you could have in this chapter because there are a lot of different practices that are specific to the religious observances of the times. One of them we'll focus on today, just phylacteries, which were these broad boxes that they had actually put in the scriptures that they were supposed to be focusing upon. And so they've taken a very literal interpretation of what had been commanded in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And so they had put the physical words inside these boxes and made these large boxes that they put on their foreheads or other parts of their body to display that they were super religious in what they were doing. It's the same thing with the long tassels that are mentioned. Jesus had tassels on the hem and the hinges of his garments as well. But what these people had done is made them so that they were so long that they were supposed to be the sign of how spiritual they were because they had the longer phylacteries. And so once again, both of these items are pointing to the physical way that these people were trying to display how religious they were, when in fact Jesus is calling them out on the fact that these outward expressions of their religious life are not really consistent with their desires of their heart, nor do they truly display that they're following after God. There are many other questions that you might come up with as you read through this passage. And what we're encouraging you to do is to seek out an answer for that question. So you begin to cultivate a discipline of studying God's word for yourself as you seek to find tools or resources or other people that can help you to answer that question then we pray that you share what you've learned or what you're learning from your study, what you're learning as you delve into the scriptures or what you're learning from the podcast and what we're talking about with the people around you. So you begin cultivating this discipline of speaking God's word in your conversations with those around you. Know as you do that today, you are loved. You're-